Thank you all for singing that. That's the song that organists love. The church I pastored before, the organist played that, and that's the song nobody knows. So uh, thank you for playing that. we got to get the words uh, to that. Open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning, please. Deuteronomy chapter 6. An Iowa farmer by the name of Dick Kleist decided that for his wife's 75th birthday, flowers and a box of chocolates just wouldn't cut it. So using his mowed down Iowa cornfield, he wrote out a massive message that read, Happy birthday, love you. Now picture that in your mind's eye, a massive mowed down cornfield with the message, Happy birthday, love you. And he used nearly 124,000 pounds of manure to write the words. (laughs) Kleist was quoted as saying later, and I quote, I was going to put a heart there after happy birthday, but I ran out of manure, end quote. Now, guys, Tuesday is Valentine's Day. And if you're looking for ideas, please don't use that one. You know, sometimes we do our best to love our families and to bless our families and to show our love for our families. We just mess up, don't we? We mean well, but we end up at the end with a pile of manure. Well, today I want to help us all in this area. I want to talk with you about your family. Uh, Now, this is a difficult assignment uh, for any preacher because no two families are exactly alike. Uh, You might have a house full of children or you might be an empty nester today. Maybe you never had children. Uh, You might be married. You might be here and you're single. You might be a widow or a widower. You may have never married. You may have uh, gotten divorced. You may be remarried. Uh, Your home might be a place of happiness and bliss. Or it might be a place where there's real struggles and you're not sure that you're going to make it. No two families are exactly the same. We have different challenges. We come from different backgrounds and we have different situations. And so as I preach on the family today, as I preach about the home, I'm having to pray that God, the Holy Spirit, would take the message that I'm about to give and would personalize it and customize it to your situation, to you and your family. And I believe as we give you some general principles today, he'll do that. We've been talking a lot this year about numbering our days and gaining a heart of wisdom. We took for our theme verse, Psalm 90, verse 12. And all these messages here in this series are built around that theme. Uh, I hope you've memorized it by now. If not, I hope you're working on it. Uh, If you want to practice, you can close your eyes or look away from the screen. If it's your first time here, uh, please feel free to read it off the screen. If you're not sure yet, read it off the screen. But we won't do the reference. I know that's unusual for us, but not the reference. Let's just read the verse again out loud together. You want to? So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We learned that there are some non-negotiables. Some things that must be present in our lives if we're going to truly make our days count. If we're going to have a heart of wisdom. We've talked about so far that we have to spend time in the Word. We have to spend time in our Bibles. We have to spend time in prayer. And we need to spend time in church. And today we want to add another one to that. You probably already guessed. We need to spend time with our family. I was going to do this one last week, but I said, no, Valentine's Day is coming up. I'm going to save this one for today. We need to spend time 
with our family. Now, don't answer out loud and don't look to your left or right or forward or backwards, especially if your spouse is seated nearby or your children. But how does that statement strike you? We need to spend time with our family. Is that something that sounds wonderful? Or is it something that sounds awful? Watch your facial expressions. Watch your body language. Now, again, every family is different. But let's say we have a man and a woman and they get married. Now, while they're courting or dating, while they're preparing for marriage, I guarantee you that they loved spending time together. In fact, if truth be known, they could not spend enough time together. It was hard for them to part ways when it came time in the evening. It was hard for them to hang up on the phone. They would hang on there saying, well, I love you. I love you more. I love you. I love you best. It just kept going on and on. And in today's world, you can just talk on forever because, you know, there's unlimited minutes and there's no long distances included. And so they love to spend time together. In fact, they couldn't get enough time together. The time came when they get married. And they love spending time together. And then baby one comes along. And they love spending time not only together, but with that baby. In fact, they'll just sit and just watch the baby sleep. And they'll say, oh, isn't she cute? She's drooling. It's just, look at this. And they love spending time together. And they just can't get enough time together. But then a few years go by, or maybe another year or two, and then baby two comes, and then baby three comes, and maybe baby four or five. Is that enough yet? Uh, All these other children come. And the question is, do they still feel the same way? Do they still feel the same way as they did in their early years? When it was just the two of them, and then two became three, and three became four, and so forth and so on. Do they still love to spend time together? Beloved, sad to say, if we're not careful, we can begin to view our family in an unbiblical way. We may not mean to, but we, if we were really honest with ourselves, we stop seeing our family as a blessing And we begin to see them as possibly a burden. If we're not careful, our family can become an obligation. They can become a hindrance. They can become a weight. They can become a cross to be born. We'd never say that to them. We'd never verbalize that. We don't even want to think those thoughts. But if we're not careful, we can begin to wrestle with those feelings as the pressures of life bear down upon us. We begin to view our family, our spouse, our children, our parents, wherever the situation may be, as a burden rather than a blessing. We forget that the Bible teaches just what a blessing the family is. We forget the scriptures say this, men. Here's what the scripture teaches. Men, you're blessed to have a wife. And y'all just missed it. It's Valentine's Day on Tuesday. You're supposed to say amen. Amen. <laughs> It's too late now, Ken. It's gone. It's gone. I tried. I put it out there for you. It's just gone. Men, you're blessed to have a wife. It's weak. Y'all might as well get some manure and go spread it right now. That's what the Bible teaches. Genesis 2.18. And the Lord God said it is not good that man should be alone. Amen. 
I will make him a helper comparable to him. Listen to Proverbs 18.22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and attains favor from the Lord. Having a wife is a blessing. And maybe you need to memorize those verses and hide them in your heart. And so you can remember those. The Bible teaches that children are a blessing. We need that reminder. <laughs> Psalm 127.3 says, I like the way the NLT puts it. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are, they are a reward from Him. And so, men, your wives are a blessing, a gift from God. Your children are a gift from God. They're a blessing. Ladies, I'll be honest. I look for a verse to say what a blessing that husbands are, and I couldn't find one. <laughs> So I guess you're stuck with us. Uh, so grin and bear it. I don't know how to help you. But, uh, but the Bible teaches that our family, they are a blessing. And it may be if you're struggling with your family today, that the greatest need that you have, the greatest need when it comes to you and your family, might be your own unbiblical, sinful, selfish view of your family. And that's strong words, but listen to me carefully. You might have thought that the problem was with them. If she would just get straightened up, if he would just do right, if my kids would just behave or whatever. You might have thought, well, the problem's with them when it might be it's with you. Reminds me of the old song, not my father, not my mother, not my sister, not my brother. It's me. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And if you've got family issues today, if you've got family problems, this is where you start. You bring yourself to the Lord and you ask him to search you and to cleanse you and to help you. And you put yourself in front of the Lord, in front of the scripture, and you open your life up and help him ask him to put his finger on anything in your life that's not right. Maybe it's an unbiblical view. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's sin. Whatever it is, get yourself right. It might be just amaze you how much. Your view of your family would change. This is where we start. Now, I want to give you some encouragement today. Whatever your family situation, on making your family a real blessing. That is you blessing your family and your family blessing you. We all want happy homes. I've yet to meet a couple that said, listen, preacher, we want you to marry us. We want to be miserable. We want to grow bitter. We want to have an awful time. No, never. They come because they love each other and they want a happy home. And I want to give you some biblical principles, some things that will help to make your family a real blessing. You blessing them and them blessing you. Are you in Deuteronomy yet? Deuteronomy chapter six. And we're going to begin reading at verse four. And I'm going to give you three ways to make your home a little heaven on earth. Okay, three ways to make your home a little heaven on earth. And I think we all would agree we'd like to have that. In our homes, taking it right from the scripture, Deuteronomy chapter six, beginning at verse four, Deuteronomy chapter six, beginning at verse four, the Bible says here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house When you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. 
So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. Now, three ways of how to make your home a little heaven on earth. Taken from this passage and from the scriptures. Number one. Very simple. Spend time together. Spend time together. You say, well, that's where I'm wrestling. Well, stay with me. Did you notice that the passage we just read assumes it makes the assumption that you're going to spend time together as a family? Look back at verse seven. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house When you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, it makes the assumption that parents are going to spend time with children. Now, I must be honest, I'm concerned about how little bit of time families are spending together today. I don't mean that families are present in the same room all watching one screen or everybody else looking at a different screen. I don't mean time at a ball field where the kids are out playing ball and dad is busy cheering and critiquing and mom is talking with her friends. There's certainly nothing wrong with having times like that and enjoying those things. But I'm talking about being together without distractions. I mean, really being together without any distractions. Talking and laughing and eating together and playing together without distraction and without outside forces hindering you. Now, we need to spend time together as a family. And beloved, it's not going to happen by accident. You're going to have to fight for this time. Have we ever lived in such a distracted age as we live in today? Where there are so many things and people and opportunities pulling us apart as a family. We need to get back to spending time together as a family. And it's important for so many reasons. In fact, this first point, which we see here in the scripture, the assumption is made you're going to be together. This first point, it sets the stage for the additional two points I want to give you today. And what the scripture says is while you're spending time together as a family, I want you to love God together as a family. I want you to love God together as a family. Look at verses five through seven this time. Here's a good verse for anybody, anywhere, any situation. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all that you are. Love God. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. The scripture. Now, we have even more than they had in Deuteronomy. We have the whole word of God. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. But says these should be in your heart. And then watch verse seven. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, 
When you lie down and when you rise up. Now, notice the passage assumes you're going to be together. And God says, listen, while you're together, I want you to teach your children to love me. I want you to teach your children to obey me, to follow my commands. I want you as a family to love me together. But beloved, if a family is never together or very seldom together, when is this teaching going to take place? It's not going to take place through just texting one another. It's not going to take place just by passing notes back and forth. May I just say to you, some parents believe that it's our job, it's the church's job to teach children and to raise up children to love God. No, beloved, it's your job as mom and dad to teach your children to love God. That's your job. We're here as a church to support you and to aid you and to encourage you and to help reinforce what you're teaching them. I'm just going to be honest with you. Many, many men in our society, in our churches, uh, many dads out there, they need to step up and take responsibility. If you're a father today, it's ultimately your responsibility to see that this is happening in your home, that your children are being brought up to love God. And many men need to step forward. They need to lead their family spiritually. Men, the Bible gives men the position of being the head of their household or the leadership position. They're responsible. And God is going to hold you accountable for that. Now, listen, parenting is not a dad only or a mom only situation. Now, if you're a single parent, God bless you. We pray for you and we want to help you any way we can. What a job you have. But when you have a mother and a father together, it's a partnership. But dad... You hold the responsibility, not only for your children, but also to encourage your wife in spiritual matters. Ephesians 6, 4. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So, Dad, your responsibility. And if you're going to teach your kids to love God, you need to love God. If you're going to teach them to obey God, you've got to obey God. If you're going to teach them to grow in the admonition and and, and the training of the Lord, you've got to be growing personally. Mom, as you are parenting these children, you need to be growing in the Lord and loving God. And then you pass those things on to your children. And beloved, this is not only taught. A lot of this is caught. They're watching. They're listening. They're seeing how you live your life. They're seeing how you respond to situations. They're seeing whether or not you really do love God or not. You know, we see this in the Bible. I I went to a breakout session when I was in Jacksonville on family worship. Donald Whitney's written a a wonderful little booklet or a little book called Family Worship. I'd recommend it to you. But he was talking about the fact we see this in the scripture. And he took us back to the story of Abraham. Remember back in Genesis that Abraham and Sarah, they waited a long time. For that promised son. And the promised son came. And God said what to Abraham? He said, take your son, your only son whom you love, and go and offer him as a sacrifice. You remember that Abraham obeyed God? He didn't understand it, didn't know what in the world was going on, certainly. But he obeyed God and they set on that journey. And when you get to Genesis 22, listen to verses 6 and 7. It says, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. They're going up to offer a sacrifice. I want you to hear what Isaac said to him. Verse 7. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. 
And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, here's what Isaac, the son said, look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now, we know the story. The lamb is the one speaking. He was going to be the sacrifice. Of course, if you read the story, God delivered him and brought forth the ram. But as the speaker was talking in the breakout, he made this comment and it really struck me. How did Isaac know to ask this question in the first place? Because he'd been with dad before. He'd been to sacrifices before. He knew what it was to offer a sacrifice. He knew what it was to worship. How are your children supposed to know how to worship? You're supposed to teach them. You're supposed to help them. When you come to worship as a church, you help them to find the place in the hymn book. You're singing along with them. You're helping them find their place. And you're leading them to love God. You see, loving God, family worship is not... Just for when you have children in the home, by the way. Because some of you think, well, my kids are grown and gone. I'm just going to take a snooze. No. Husbands and wives should be loving and worshiping God together. Empty nesters, never had children, whatever. First Peter 3, 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them. That is your wife with understanding, giving honor to the wife. As to the weaker vessel as being heirs together, the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So you have a husband and wife. You should be worshiping and loving God together. You should be growing in your faith. Husband and wife and children, single parent and children, whatever the situation is today, you need to spend time together and you need to love God together. And listen, this does not have to be overly planned and programmed and processed. Did you notice in Deuteronomy how they're supposed to teach them about God? Just as they go about life, as you're sitting in your house... As you're walking by the way, as you're going to bed, as you're getting up in the morning, as you're going about life. Uh, we would maybe reword it today as you're getting up in the morning, as you're driving along in the, the minivan, as you're you know, going through these times. This is your living life there. You live life with a God consciousness. You, you live life bringing God into the equation. You can do this with even a very young child. Uh, just a couple of days ago, I think on Thursday, uh, I'm, I'm helping Graham get his uh, shoes on for school. And I think it was, that was the day it was really windy outside. And we're talking and we talked about the wind. And he put on our coats and put on our hoods. Really windy today. And I just mentioned to him, I said, you know, I think I asked him, you know, who, who makes the wind or whatever. We talked about the fact that God is in control of the wind. Now, he's three going on 33. So um, he's able to grasp that God is in control of the wind. You can teach them God. Like, say you just bring just normal everyday stuff and you bring God into the equation. Your teenager comes home a rough day at school. What do you do? You listen to them. You talk with them. You love them. And you bring God into the equation. Well, let's pray about that. Let's ask God for wisdom. Just living life, bringing God. Now, those are the everyday times. By the way, it also can be set times. Meal times are a wonderful time. And listen, I'm concerned about families that don't eat together anymore. You know, the only thing they do is run through the drive or whatever. But if you could get some meal times, you get some evenings where you sit down as a family and all the screens are off and all the stuff is off. And you're there with your family and you, you of course, ask the blessing. I know, but you can talk about things and bring God into the equation. Church is so important. Don't misunderstand what I said earlier. I'm not diminishing the importance of church at all. You need to have your family in church. We talked about that a lot last week. 
But there are times where you gather together as a family and maybe you get a family devotional out or you take a short Bible passage and you simply pray together as a family. Don't have to be planned out. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't need a seminary degree or any of that. But you just bring God into the equation and you love God together. And so what are we saying so far? Well, first of all, we spend time together. Secondly, we love God together. Now, number three, we serve God together. Now, in our busy lives, beloved, in our in our blessed lives, it's very easy to forget who it is that we're serving. Look back at the passage this time at verses 10 through 13. Talking about the promised land here, God's bringing them into the promised land. But look at what it says. Verse 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you to the land of which you swore to your fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities. Now watch this. He keeps saying which you didn't do anything for, which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards, olive trees which you did not plant. And when you've eaten and are full, so let's apply that to today. Are you blessed? Yes, I'm blessed too. God has blessed us in so many ways. We don't deserve it, but God has blessed us. Verse 12, then beware, lest you what? You forget the Lord. Then he says in verse 13, you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. All of life is to be lived for the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And as we're living life as a family, so we're we're spending time together, we're loving God together. And now as we live our lives, we're to do that as a service to almighty God. That means changing diapers and washing dishes and washing mountains of laundry and mowing the grass and and doing endless homework night after night after night after night after night. All of that is to be done for Jesus. As you serve your family, you ultimately serve Jesus. And that'll just put a change in your life, won't it? And your attitude. I'm to serve my wife for Jesus' sake. I'm to serve my kids for Jesus' sake. All that I do is for the Lord Jesus. We do it for Him. And we teach them to do it for Him. Colossians 3.23. Drop that reference down. Colossians 3.23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Do it heartily as to the Lord. And so you're teaching them, listen, we're going about all these things that we got because God has blessed us. God has given us these things. God has given us life and everything we do. We want to do it for Jesus. We get blessed, too. But ultimately, this is for Jesus, for his honor, his glory. And that puts a whole new angle and look on family life, doesn't it? But let's just be honest about it. Is family life always easy? No, absolutely not. But is it worth it? Yes. And if you're wise, you'll number your days. And if you're wise, you'll realize that family time is precious time. And if you're going to gain a heart of wisdom, you're going to realize that spending time together as a family is a non-negotiable. It must be a priority in your life. Spending time with your family, beginning with your own heart and getting it right and then spending time together and loving God together and serving God together. 
Some of you may remember a baseball player. It's been some years ago by the name of Tim Burke. Tim Burke. From the time that Tim Burke could first remember, his dream was to be a professional baseball player. Now, I have a different dream. I wanted to be like a professional baseball announcer. I wanted to sit in the booth, eat hot dogs, talk about the ball game. But he wanted to be a player. And through years of hard work and dedication, he achieved his goal. While as a successful pitcher for the Montreal Expos, so that does date a while ago, doesn't it? Uh, he and his wife wanted to start a family. But like so many couples, they realized they were unable to have children. It's a heartbreaking, a very hard, difficult time. After much prayer, they decided to adopt four special needs international children. Four of them. One special needs child, no doubt, takes tremendous time and energy and attention. But imagine four of them from another country. And this decision led to one of the most difficult decisions that Tim Burke had to face in his life. He discovered that his time on the road, and by the way, if you think that's a glorious life, you may make millions, but you look at their life on the road, night after night, week after week, month after month. He realized that his life on the road conflicted with his ability to be a quality husband and dad. And over time, it became apparent to Tim Burke that he could not do both. And so they prayed some more. And after much prayer and soul searching, he made what many Many considered to be an unbelievable decision. He decided to give up professional baseball. When he left the stadium for the last game, as you can imagine, the reporters were there and they wanted to know why he was retiring. And I want to share with you what Tim Burke said. He said, baseball is going to do just fine without me. It's not even going to miss a beat. But I'm the only father my children have. I'm the only husband my wife has. And they need me a lot more than baseball does. And he walked away and gave it up for his wife and for his kids. Listen, sir. Listen, ma'am. Your family needs you. And can I just go a step further? You need your family. Beloved, number your days. Gain a heart of wisdom. Spend time with your family. Love God together. Serve God together. Have a true heart of wisdom. Make your days count. Realize today what a blessing your family really is. Father, you've challenged us today from your word. And I pray for the families that I'm looking at right now and for those who may listen to this message later. That, Lord, you administer your word to each heart. In each situation, the Lord, you customize the message to meet them where they are and challenge them and whatever the need may be. Father, I don't know what you're saying to your people today. I don't know what area or what it is you put your finger on, but I pray that you would help each one and help me to be submissive 
and to obey. And Lord, to truly, truly realize what a blessing our family is. Help us, Lord, to spend time together, to set aside everything else. Help us to truly love God, to love you together and to serve you. May your will be done in this invitation, I pray in Jesus name. Amen. The altar is open. If you need to know Jesus today, if you need to come and take him as your Lord and Savior, you want to come and pray. Maybe someone in your family you're burdened for, maybe yourself. The words and the song looks very unfamiliar, but you know the tune. 507, would you bless our homes and families? Again, once you hear the tune, you'll know the melody and you can sing it out. But the altar is open today. And I want to invite you, if God's put his finger on something in your life, you come and talk with him about that and get that right. We can help you in some way. Please let us know. We'd love to pray with you. But our invitation hymn 507, let's stand together and sing. The altar's open. You come. Would you bless our homes and families?